0: And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is the second week of the sermon series we've entitled Happily Ever After. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be studying marriages We're going to be talking about marriages. We're going to look at Scripture and try to understand what we can about what the Bible speaks about marriages. But we need to understand something as we kind of get into this. I said it at the beginning of last week's sermon. I'm going to say it again this morning. Uh, We all know the numbers, right? We've seen the statistics. We understand that marriages uh, across the world... In America, the Western world especially, are in turmoil. We understand that even within the church, marriages struggle. But I want you to know, I say this to every couple I've ever counseled with, there's always hope in Christ. There's absolute hope in Christ. Uh, And so you need to understand if you're struggling this morning, whether you're with us live, uh, maybe you've tuned in at home because you know we're talking about marriages and we want to speak to you uh, at home. Maybe you're in an overflow service. We, We want you to know no matter where you are in your marriage, Uh, No matter how you might be struggling, there is absolutely hope in Christ. Your marriage can be strong, uh, you can be happy, you can find great joy. One writer said this, I I think it helps to summarize. He said, one of those common reactions to a marital crisis is the loss of hope. One or both spouses have been typically disappointed and become discouraged. He or she believes there's no possible way to repair the relationship. And that even if they tried to stay together, that it'd be impossible to ever trust again. In fact, this inability to even imagine trusting again can be one of the greatest threats to reconciliation and healing. What seems impossible is often never even sought. The good news is that we have a God who loves us and who is deeply committed to restoring us and our relationships. Marriage requires work, right? Every day, every week, every year, it's an ongoing process. Uh, we can walk down this path of marriage and find great joy and great hope. And so because of the struggles that I've seen personally, uh, because of the struggles that our team has seen, we've decided to preach about marriage. And so this sermon series is going to be very practical. We're going to give you some practical, tangible things you can do within your home To strengthen your marriage. Now, you're gonna get out of this what you put into it. Now, I mentioned kind of the levels last week. There are kind of four levels to this series over the next few weeks. Level one is just this sermon. If you wanna come in and hear the sermon only, if you're at home and you tune in for just the sermon, that's a good start, but there's more to it. Level two, we're gonna give you homework every week. So, you can take some things home, work on. Last week's was kind of fun. I'm going to talk about it here in just a few minutes. It was kind of easy. This week's going to be a little more challenging. We're going to take a step a little deeper. Uh, I pray you had a chance to do that last week. If not, you can do it this week. We're going to give you homework each week if you're interested in working on your marriage. That's level two. Level three, we now have this live on our website. Uh, there's an online marriage assessment. You can go to rosemontchurch.org, it's called Online Marriage Assessment click it, you can sign up for it, okay? It gives you some more details. Here's what that looks like. If you decide to do that, it's a long questionnaire you and your spouse both t- both take. It spits out about a 16-page document that really delves into your marriage. It helps you understand better who you are, some of the struggles maybe that you're dealing with. Once you've kind of done that and it produces that document, one of our staff members will sit down with you and your spouse over the course of several weeks, work through that document, help you kind of pinpoint certain areas, uh, help you think through things that you need to improve, things you can work on. You say, man, I'm I'm just not real comfortable uh, talking to somebody about it. That's okay. Uh, That's between you and your spouse and the Lord, but let me just encourage you, your marriage is worth it, okay? You might have to set a a little bit of pride aside for just a few minutes. Let me just go ahead and tell you, and you you probably don't believe this. I'm just telling you, you can take this to the bank. Uh, There are a lot of marriages that struggle. And a lot of them we don't know about. And so if, you, if you're if you struggling a little bit in your marriage, you need to understand there are other people that struggle in their marriage as well. You need to find hope and you need to find help and we'll offer it to you. We're here to help you, okay? So that's level three, the online assessment. After you've gone through that process, if there's even more counseling necessary, we've got a professional marriage counselor we're going to hook you up with, kind of plug you into that. So there's a lot of different levels here. You can go kind of as deep into this as you want to go. I pray that when we finish this series in a number of weeks, your marriage is a lot stronger then than it is now. I pray you've improved some things. You've seen some things that you want to work on and and do better with. So last week, I'm going to review very quickly. You can watch it online if you weren't able to be here with us. But last week, marriage was God's plan. Marriage can bring great joy. Marriage brings intimacy and oneness. And we talked about how God created marriage, how God designed it for us, for our enjoyment, for our pleasure, for for hope and happiness, but also for His glory. Right. So there's a bigger picture than just finding happiness within marriage. It's about trusting the Lord, and it's about bringing Him glory and all the things that you do. And I hope you were able to do the homework last week. If you weren't here or didn't catch the sermon last week online. Homework last week was a date night. Pretty easy, right? Some low-hanging fruit. Go out to eat, uh, have fun. The idea was to kind of reminisce and, and laugh a little bit. And so Amy and I had a really busy week and we weren't able to do our date night till last night. But I really did want to reminisce. I like that kind of stuff anyway. I guess I'm kind of the, the hopeless romantic maybe somewhere. Uh, uh, the way I kind of think about things and the way I kind of act sometimes. And, and Amy and I have this box in the attic of just keepsake stuff. Right, We're old enough. I'm, I'm not quite as old as some of you, but I'm older than a lot of you. And Amy and I kind of were courting uh, during this time where there was no uh, cell phones. We couldn't text, couldn't Snapchat, couldn't even email. We had to either talk by phone or write letters. And so we actually wrote letters to each other. And we still have a lot of those letters. And we pulled those back out last night and read through those and look at a lot of pictures and, and just laugh. And I hope you had a chance to do that this week. Uh, this last week, I hope you had a chance to, to kind of sit down with your spouse uh, on your own, alone, just the two of you. If you didn't last week, do it this week. It's great for your marriage, right? It's great for your marriage, especially if you're struggling, just to find some time alone to kind of reconnect, rekindle, find joy, find happiness, have a, have a good time together. Now, this morning, we're going to be looking at Philippians 2. Now, just a little a note before we jump into Philippians 2. Uh, this is something that I've really been praying through thinking through with this series, there are quite a few passages of Scripture that relate specifically to marriage in the Bible. We're going to talk through a lot of those. We did last week in Genesis chapter 2. But there are a lot of other passages that aren't directly related to marriage, uh, but I've just kind of through my prayer and study and, and reading some different authors, uh, I be, I've kind of become convinced that even though these passages of scripture, and it's like this in Philippians 2, are not specifically written to married couples, we can certainly apply what we learn in them to our marriages. Right? Paul in Philippians 2 is really talking to the church and, and believers as a whole, but he's talking about how we ought to live and be at peace and find unity within the body of Christ. If we can do all that within the body of Christ, we certainly can do it within our homes, can't we? If we can treat our brothers and sisters in Christ like this, we certainly, even more so, should treat our spouse this way. So Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. We have it on the screen. You can follow along in your Bible as well. The words of the Apostle Paul. So if there's any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to in the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's the first truth I want you to see this. We're going to take this passage of scripture, apply it specifically to our marriages. Truth number one we should work to find unity within our marriages. You need to work to find unity, right? Unity is not only possible, it should be expected. And I put the word work up there because it's not always easy. It doesn't always happen naturally. It's not something you're going to necessarily default into. It requires work on your part. It requires action on your part. It requires you to do something as you strive for, as you try to find unity. Here's what some of you are thinking, Adam, if you only knew what our personal life is like, you wouldn't say this to us. Adam, if you only knew how much we argue, uh, how much we disagree, Adam, every time we sit down and have a conversation, it ends up in some sort of a fight. So we're either not talking at all or we're fighting. If you only knew our circumstances, you wouldn't talk to us about finding unity because if you knew who we really were, you would know that unity is impossible for us. Now, why is that the case? I'm going to diagnose this for you scripturally, okay? Why is it that you fight and you argue, and you don't find unity in your marriage. Don't look this up, but write it down. You need to go look it up later. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Listen to what the Scripture says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Great question. Right? Let's apply that to our marriages. What causes fights and quarrels? What causes us to argue within our marriage? Here's what James says. Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. Watch, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Now I'm gonna step right on your toe for a second, it's gonna hurt, so be ready, okay? You argue and you quarrel in a marriage because you're selfish. I'm sorry to have to be the bearer of bad news. By the way, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. Trust me, I get it. I've been married 23 years. I understand what being selfish looks like. I promise you I understand it. But a lot of times the struggles we have in marriage, the lack of unity we find in marriage is simply because we're selfish, we like it our way, and when our spouse doesn't do it the way we think he or she ought to do it, we get pretty upset and we fight about it. One of the things I talk to to young couples about when we're doing premarital counseling is expectations, unmet expectations, We're going to talk through this a little bit this morning as a very practical way to kind of think through your marriage. If you don't already understand this, let me just kind of clue you in. Your spouse has one set of expectations. You have sometimes a very different set of expectations. You think it ought to be one way. Your spouse thinks it ought to be a different way. And unless you can kind of come together and and work through that, you're going to have all sorts of problems in your marriage. Now, here's an example. Guys, we have certain expectations, right? Maybe you're planning on watching. I'll, I'll never forget. Let me just, you know what? I want this one in my notes. <laughs> I don't even know if I should tell this story. It's it's going to be recorded for everybody to know, so I may as well say it. Amy's not in here, but I'm going to tell it. Y'all remember years ago when the Falcons, not the last time, but the time before when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl? Y'all remember that? Uh, Dan Reeves, uh, they lost. Really, it was a pretty close game. That night, Sunday night, we were living in Albany, Georgia, and the church that we were attending in Albany was bringing in a well-known evangelist that Sunday night to preach, night of Super Bowl. I'm already sweating thinking about it again, right? Well, Amy's expectation, God bless her, was to go to church. Men, I'm just going to be gut level. That was not my expectation that particular night, night of Super Bowl. But being a good husband, guess what I did? I went to church. The whole. And we didn't have phones. I couldn't even be the guy in the pew watching it on. I couldn't even do that. I had no idea the score, missed the first half, and so the rest of the night I was kind of salty, right? Kind of salty. You know how that goes. I had one set of. Now her expectation was great. My expectation was fine watching the game. I guess maybe it had been on a Sunday night, but we just had different expectations, and so sometimes we have these different expectations. If we don't work through them and get exactly what we want, we have problems, right? That that can be fleshed out a thousand different ways in a thousand different places, guys. You you have this expectation. This is a kind of a, a, an ongoing struggle in marriage. You have the expectation of coming home after work. You're exhausted you've worked really hard, you want to sit down in front of the TV and veg out or get online or do something just to relax, your wife has the expectation of sitting down and for the next two hours telling you about her day and expecting you to tell her about her or about your day. Nothing wrong with either one of those things, right? They're just very different expectations. And so we have to work, don't we, to find unity. We have to work to set aside our own thoughts we have to work to set aside, aside our own pride and our own selfishness. Here, here, selfishness. Here's one of the big problems we have with this idea of expectations within our marriage. Not only are we selfish, right? We struggle with that, but we're bombarded oftentimes from the world telling us what a marriage ought to look like. Now, let, let me just go ahead and clue you in. If you're a little bit younger, if you're older, you're going to know this to be true. If you think you're going to get your understanding of marriage from movies, you are sorely mistaken, Right? They're always just wrong. I mean, very rarely have I ever seen a movie where the expectation from the movie is real life. So we're kind of bombarded from television, from movies, maybe books we read. Here's a struggle for a lot of couples, right? We're bombarded by the past that we drag along with us. Here's what I mean you've grown up in one home where your parents did it one way, that's your expectation for marriage. Your spouse has grown up in a different home where their parents did it a different way, and that's their expectations. So you come into marriage with very different expectations about who's going to do the bills, who's going to do the dishes, who's going to cut the grass, who's going to spank the children, whatever. Very different expectations. And if you're not careful, those things begin to cause problems within your marriage. Like our first ever big fight, Amy and I, and praise the Lord, we don't fight a lot, but we had a big one when we were engaged about furniture of all things. Can you believe that? Right, I was the bachelor. I was living in Albany teaching school. And before I moved to Albany to get my apartment, I did what every wise man does. I went to yard sales to buy all my furniture, right? Isn't that what you should do? And I found the, the neatest, nicest, blue check gingham couch you've ever seen. And when I bought it, it was probably 20 years old. And it literally was one of these kind of deals. I'm looking at the yard sale thinking, I could probably get that stain out. I could probably scrub get that stain So I bought it for 50 bucks. Took it to my apartment, loved it, man. It was great. Nobody ever complained about it. Isn't that amazing? When you live by yourself, nobody ever complains. It was real good. No problems. So we go to get married and Amy's like, well, we got to get some furniture. I'm like, babe, I got you. You know, no problem. Got a couch, got two plates and one cup in the pantry. I will be fine. You could never need anything else in your whole life. Well, against my wishes, my beautiful bride-to-be goes and buys a couch. Can you believe that? She bought a couch, and the first I heard of it, she called me. She's driving it down to Albany to put it in our apartment, my apartment, uh, to tell me and show me this brand-new couch she bought. So we had this big blow-up over the phone. I just couldn't understand why she wanted to buy this brand-new couch. I thought the Gingham $50 couch with all the stains would have been fine, right? Nothing really wrong with either one of those two. They're just different expectations, she had one set of expectations. I had very different set of expectations because we didn't fully communicate and work through those, those things caused problems, right? We're selfish. We want it our way. We've got our own set of expectations. We've got we've to work through this stuff in order to find unity in our marriage. And look, here's the picture in Philippians 2, right? We understand what being selfish looks like. We, we kind of we have the market cornered on that. But let's see what the Scripture says about how we ought to live and some things we can apply within our marriage. Pull up verses 1 and 2. Again, I want you to see these words. Now, Paul's specifically talking about the church and other believers. But if we're going to treat other Christians like this, we certainly ought to treat our spouse like this. Listen to what he says. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul uses words like encouragement, comfort, love, affection, sympathy. So take those words and apply them now to your marriage. Right. So we ask questions like this. How encouraging are you to your spouse? That's a great question. Men, are you encouraging to your wife? Are we providing comfort in our marriage? Are we displaying love? I'm just using the words right out of Philippians 2 here. Are we affectionate? Are we sympathetic? Right? How are we taking the truths of Scripture, setting aside our selfishness, and instead applying these ideas of encouragement and affection and love, comfort and sympathy? How are we taking what we want and what we think ought to be best, setting it aside, instead, following the model of Scripture within our marriages? We got to fight to do that, right? We got to work it. It doesn't happen naturally. You say, what, what does that look like? How can that happen uh, more often? Look at verse 2 again. Complete my joy by being, listen to what he says, of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Right? We fight for unity within our marriage, truth number one. Here's truth two. We should communicate clearly about this. Not just cluing you in, you're never going to be unified if you're not communicating. Right? Scripture talks about being of one accord, being of the same mind, being of full accord and of one mind together. That's not going to happen without talking, without communicating, right? So expectations within a marriage should be communicated clearly. So you should on a regular basis be talking to your spouse about your expectations, how you think, how you feel. Mostly, I'm going to do a sermon on communication, so this is a little bit of a a, a precursor to that, right? But most people, and you can kind of track this in your own marriage, most people when they have a conversation with their spouse, especially when you get a little farther in life and you got careers and kids and mortgages and cars and all that kind of stuff, most of your conversations become logistics, I'm picking the kids up. We're going to meet for dinner. Who's going to go to the grocery store? I paid the bills this week. When you get paid again, I got to put gas in the car. Right, this logistical conversation about kind of managing our life, and rarely, unless we're uh, very intentional, do we get to this point of having these deeper conversations, right, about expectations, like my hopes and my dreams in life, my fears. What are the things I'm personally working through? What, what am I struggling through? And here's the problem with a lot of marriages if we're not careful. We kind of get to this place where we think that our, our expectations have been communicated properly when in reality our spouse has no real idea what we're thinking. Right? Don't, don't raise your hand. But has anybody ever had the struggle in marriage where you thought your spouse knew something they didn't even really know it? Right? We've all struggled with that. Right? And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say this, women, because I know men have our faults. But sometimes, every now and then, ladies, y'all can jump around sometimes the conversations. Like Amy and I'll be talking, and and I, I think we're in kind of one one stream or, or one thread of consciousness and then conversation. And all of a sudden, she. She just starts talking about something else, and I'm like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Where, where, where did that come from? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was thinking about this, this guy, you know, da 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 da. And also, we're in a different conversation. Sometimes we've just got to understand we, we can't read each other's minds, right? Sometimes we need to communicate and don't assume, especially with expectations, that your spouse knows exactly how you feel or what you're thinking, right? Communication is good. And so, here's some kind of big picture areas. When we think about expectations and and desires and things within a marriage, here's some big things outside of just logistics that you may want to think through. Like, what are your expectations about time together, right? He's got one set of expectations about time together. She's got a different one, I promise you. What are your expectations about responsibilities around the home? Who's going to do what? What are your responsibilities about the Bible, about prayer time, about church attendance? What are your expectations? What's your expectations about money management? Right, a, a lot of couples struggle with the idea of money management. Money and struggles with money lead to a lot of problems within a marriage. You can kind of head some of that off of the past by having conversations on the front end, understanding, honey, what are your expectations about money? Here are my expectations about money. Let's come to a consensus together. Right? Sexual intimacy is a big one. Right? That's a big one where there are very different oftentimes expectations. We understand that. We should be talking about that. Right? I'm going to do a sermon on sexual intimacy, and I joke with the first verse, I'm really praying about that one. I'm not quite prepared to preach that one yet, but I feel like it's a big deal, and I feel like we need to talk about it. Those are expectations we need to talk through. Parenting expectations. Right? How are we going to raise our children? What kind of chores are we going to make them do? Are we Are going to give them allowance, not allowance? Cell phone usage, dating. One of the things that I love when I, when I counsel with couples that are about to get married, we spend a lot of time talking about expectations. And the book we go through just has a bunch of questions that relate to this kind of stuff because we need to be thinking about this on the front end. We need to talk about it. We need to understand it. We need to make sure we have the same expectations. We're on the same page. We've got to work to to find unity. And the way we're going to do that is by communicating clearly, right? Not assuming anything. Now, take a look at verse 3. Let's wind this thing down this morning. Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing. Man, that's important. Nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So so we're fighting for unity We're working toward unity. One of the ways we're doing that is by communicating clearly, regularly, understanding we have very different expectations. We've got to find consensus on those expectations. And then kind of the third idea, as we do all those things, we're putting our spouse first in our life, right? Jesus, of course, then our spouse. So how are you in your world, in your marriage, putting the needs of your spouse greater than your own needs. This is not an easy thing to do. Right? We are by nature selfish. We by nature want to do what we want to do. And so oftentimes we have very different expectations. Oftentimes those things are based in our selfishness. We've got to fight and work through to be sure we're putting the need of our spouse over the need of ourself. One one writer said it like this a couple paragraphs, so just stay with me. Listen to what he says. A wife has assumptions about time with her husband, about money, about meals, about the children. Her husband has different assumptions. So every time he acts in some way that differs from her assumptions, she feels as though he's broken a promise to her. She gets upset. She feels unloved, betrayed. None of these things are actually true. Her husband does love her, and he is committed to her. They just have unmet expectations. He goes on to say, How do men characteristically handle unfulfilled expectations? They feel personal rejection. They feel neglected and usually withdraw or become aggressive and redirect their energy to their job, to sports, or to a hobby right? Expectations are crucial. We've got to fight to make sure we're unified. We've got to talk clearly through those things. And then we've got to understand And all the things that I do within my marriage, I've got to put my spouse ahead of myself. Listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I joked with our first service. This is the money back guarantee for this series. You ready for this? If you'll do this, it'll work. If you'll start living your life where you and everything you do try to think about your spouse ahead of yourself, you'll be amazed at how much better your marriage will get. Guarantee you. Just start looking at your spouse and thinking, how can I serve her? How can I serve him? What can I give up in my life in order to make my spouse fulfilled or to bring joy to her life? Like this is just kind of a running joke for us. It's a silly little thing that we do, but it's one of the things that I try to do. And you ask my kids this, whenever we go to eat, mama picks. And if mama picks something daddy doesn't like, I put a smile on my face, and I go in there and eat, and I'm the happy guy at dinner. Why? Because I want to serve her. And so I don't say, yeah, I don't really want to go eat that. I'd rather go eat that. And, and a lot of times she'll say, you know, it doesn't matter. Why don't you pick? But every time we go, I defer to her, and the kids hate it sometimes because, you know, with four kids, there's never consensus, by the way, on where to eat. Never. Never. Four different opinions. Well, we ate right there last week. Well, we don't want to make my, make my stomach hurt when we ain't there. Well, I don't want to do that, I Mama, what, what do you want to go? You, you big, and we try to do that. What, what am I doing? What are you doing within your marriage to put your spouse ahead of yourself? So I'm going to give you some practical stuff. Right, we've looked at kind of scriptural thought through what it looks like in a marriage. Pull up that next slide. Here's some very practical things we can do to help you talk through expectations. Okay, I'm going to. I had several people ask me last week. I mean, after the last service, did you print this out anywhere? I'll put it online for you to look at. I'll, I'll make it available for you if you want to see it. Here, what? Here's what you can do. Do, this is a very practical things you can do in your marriage to talk through expectations first set aside a time to talk alone set aside a time to talk alone right you need to be away from the kids it could be another date night it could be at home after they go to bed you need to be alone you need to be in a way such a way that you can talk guys you probably got to turn the tv off during this one okay it's pretty important just focus on your wife, focus on your husband, narrow down the discussion, what exactly are you talking about, right? There's a lot of different issues here, a lot of things you could talk through. Let's just kind of take them one at a time. Let's not try to fix everything all at once. Let's take this one issue that we're thinking through, or struggling through. This is going to be our point of discussion tonight. Take turns talking and listening. Here's a little tip, right? Most people, and you may have seen this in your own life, Most people, when they're in a conversation, as the other person is talking, they're already, they're formulating what they're going to say in response. So instead of actually listening, I'm already thinking through how I'm going to respond to what you're saying, right? So I'm really not hearing what you're saying. So a trick, one of the ways you do this and to help, and I try to do this when I'm talking to people, especially if we're talking about things that are important, I'll repeat back to them what they've said. And do this with your spouse. Listen, just to be clear, honey, I want to make sure I heard what you said. Here's what you're saying. Kind of say it in your own words and make sure that you're actually hearing what your spouse is saying, right? Take turns talking listening. Focus on the problem, not the person. Don't accuse or belittle. Not a time to argue not a time to bring up the past. Not a time to try to win the argument. I'm just listening to you. I'm trying to understand you. We're not going to argue. not going to belittle or cause problems. Be Christ-like, right? That, that could go at any spot and with all these, but I felt like that's the moment where you need to be Christ-like. Because when your spouse starts talking about something that they don't like or a problem they have and you don't want to belittle them or argue, you need to remember, listen, I need to be Christ-like in this moment. Next, figure out a compromise. I have one set of expectations. My spouse has a different set. How can we compromise and come together? Commit yourself to this agreement. Celebrate your accomplishment, right? Now, this isn't easy, right? Date night where you go eat some uh, wings and look at some old pictures and laugh. is easy, man. Low-hanging fruit, easy to do. This one's a little more complicated. We're delving into a little more practical, difficult things because go to the next slide. Your homework for this week, go ahead to the next one, is to write down 20 expectations that you have for your spouse, right? It's difficult. Now, look, maybe that's 10, maybe that's 30, maybe it's 5. The number doesn't really matter. But the idea is, man, I can tell by the, the, the room, y'all are like, whoa, a murmur, like murmuring. All oh, the Heads are looking at each other all of a sudden like that. Are you sure? I don't know if we can do this or not. You can do it. You can do it. Maybe you need to start with five. I don't know. Go to 10, 30, 50, whatever, 150, whatever the Lord leads you to do. But you need to write down some expectations. Honey, this is what I'm expecting in our marriage. She's going to do the same thing, right? And then you're going to come together. Go to the next slide there. You're going to come together and talk through these. Maybe it's finances, intimacy, time together, spiritual growth, home responsibilities, whatever, this is an opportunity for you to work through some of these unmet expectations, okay? It's an opportunity for you to sit down, to write them out, to actually think about them, to talk about them, right? Marriage is a beautiful, wonderful thing, but it requires some work, right? Just like you have to tune up your car, Just like you have to go out in the garden and pick the weeds, right? Guys, just like you have to oil and clean your gun on a regular basis. Your marriage requires some work. You need to put a little work in because if you'll do these things, if you'll follow what Scripture teaches, if you'll allow the Lord to work and be proactive and actually work through your marriage, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, by the grace of God, you can live happily ever after. And that's my prayer for you this morning, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you, Lord, for the, for the beauty of marriage, for the joy we find in marriage. Lord, we thank you for the great gift that the Lord has given us in marriage. Thank you for these Scriptures, Father, that we can apply to our marriage so we have absolute truth. We know how to live and think. And, and Lord, thank you for these very practical things that we can now use within our marriage to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. Father, send us out into the world here in just a few minutes within our marriages Father, willing, even in struggle, to do better, willing, Father, to fight for unity, willing to talk more, to communicate, willing to put our spouse ahead of ourselves, and, and willing, especially, Father, to trust you with all this, doing a great work within our home. Father, use us for the sake of your kingdom. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand?